Hello to our listeners. Welcome to the Women Governance Trailblazers podcast, where we listen to the journeys of trailblazing women in the corporate governance field, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Liz Dunchy, and my co-host is Courtney Camlet. Hi, everyone. Courtney and I are both passionate about governance, and we want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. We're connecting with guests from different paths and industries to hear their perspectives on what's surprised them in their career and where they think the field of corporate governance is heading. For this episode, we're so excited to be talking with Maria Dowdy, who is president and CEO of the Chicago Network. The Chicago Network is an organization of Chicago's most influential senior executive women leaders, and its purpose is to empower women of all colors everywhere to lead. Maria not only has deep executive and leadership experience, she was also immersed with public policy, regulatory, and legal matters in her prior role as Director of Public Policy and Regulatory Examinations and Corporate Counsel for Allstate Insurance Company, where she worked for more than 20 years in various advancing roles. And I know that will resonate with many of our listeners. Maria also serves the community by providing her valuable leadership skills and insights to many civic and philanthropic organizations and professional associations. Maria, we're so excited to hear your perspectives today, and I know our audience will find great value in hearing from you. So welcome to the podcast. Well, ladies, thank you so much for including me. I really am excited about this conversation. Well, we are too, Maria. And just to dig into your background a little bit, you started out in the legal field progressing to be chief legal officer of all states field operations, and then pivoted to a policy role so you have a strong command of business operations, including risk, as well as building collaboration. What led you to leave Allstate after your 20 plus career, 20 plus a year career, and join the Chicago Network as CEO? Two things, uh, growth and to take on a new challenge. I had an amazing career at Allstate and held multiple roles. And I think that's really the main reason why I stayed for so long. I was never put in a box, which continued to let me grow and, and, and challenge me both from a legal standpoint and a business standpoint. The other thing is the company supported my civic leadership. And that was really, really important. And at, that, at, at the point in my career, when I said, I started kind of thinking, what what else was out there for me? I had achieved and had had these other roles. I said, you know what? I needed to see what was out there. And I really would encourage people, you know, if they have any question about their value, they should put themselves out there in the marketplace because it is a very um, validating experience when you realize that you have so much to offer and there are so many different paths that you can take. I looked at for-profit roles and nonprofit roles, and my personal purpose is servant leadership, and my passion is empowering women. When this opportunity that with the Chicago Network became available, I had a number of friends who saw the posting and said, you have to look at this job. This is totally you, because they knew that they knew me well enough to know that I had this love of servant leadership. I had this love of being in the nonprofit space and serving in the nonprofit space. But the piece where it was about women, um, I have a passion for the mission. I, I do have the leadership skills because essentially I'm a CEO of CEOs. These women are all CEOs and chief CC executives. Um, I saw the vision of where this organization could go to because 
you know, we've been around since 1979, which is amazing when you think about it. Wow. I, and I'm a connector. Like I believe that we need to support each other. And I love being an advocate and ambassador. So it was literally neon sign glowing. This is where I needed to go. Um, the only thing I would, I would say is I don't recommend joining or shifting into a networking role um, at the height of a global pandemic. But <laughs> I, um, I challenge. Right, exactly, precisely. Like I asked for a challenge, and that's the challenge I didn't expect. So my ninety-day plan looked a little different after I started the role than when I signed my contract in February of twenty twenty. Wow, what what timing! <laughs> but yeah, you put it out there that you wanted a challenge, and the universe answered. Apparently, so <laughs> it, it did definitely. And that's so cool that your friends. And your network saw that and thought of you. I mean, that's such a great sign about what what a great fit it is and how well it aligns with both your skills and your passion. So yeah, and I think people, yeah, and people should listen to their, you know, their friends because sometimes people will see things in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself. And it, it could cause a major pivot that could be life-changing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get so focused in kind of what you're doing that you don't think about other scenarios until someone pulls you out and you look at the broader picture. Mm-hmm. Well, Maria, as you alluded to, you are involved with many civic and philanthropic organizations. In your experience, um, in what ways do you see your legal background coming into play to make you a valuable contributor to boards? And are there ways that you think other women who have that background can leverage it? And and do you have any general advice for women who want to advance in board service? I love this question, and I, I can't wait to dig into it. My view is nonprofit board service is a tremendous way for individuals to receive board service experience that's transferable both in for-profit positions and also nonprofit positions. I'd even go a little further, you know, although it's not currently a prerequisite to obtain a for-profit board role, I really believe corporate executives should serve on at least one nonprofit board before they take on a for-profit board role. This is particularly true in my mind for women who are mid-management roles and aspire to be in the C-suite. It's a differentiator. And in fact, in order to be, a, to be a member of the Chicago network, a candidate must have civic engagement leadership experience, and they must be in a current active leadership position. And you know, you know, you get more than you give when you serve. And I think that was the thing that really pulled me to the network is that the women of my organization, the organization that I lead, they recognize that it's more than just running a business and being the CEO. They understand they have to give back. They want to give back. They understand the power uh, that they have and they're using their power and influence really to be the force for good. But I do think though, it's really important to find something that calls to your heart and nonprofit board roles um, because you don't get compensated. Oftentimes there's no compensation for the, for the service. Uh, and then the one thing I would say is when you get on a board, join finance and audit as well as NAMGOV um, because you'll the skills that you'll get from those experiences are absolutely transferable. And even if you don't feel like you're you're suited for finance and audit, 
jump in because there's no, this is where you can, you could learn. And then you can take those skills and transfer women, as you know, tend to shy away from the finance space. They tend to shy away from owning a PL. and it's not so much that they don't, they shy away. It's just, sometimes they're not even seen as able to step into those roles. Yeah. Um, being in a nonprofit role, you learn good governance. You learn how to use budgets as policy tools. You know, as a director, you're required to ensure the prudent use of assets to advance the organization's mission. And I think the one thing, and I'll just, because this is kind of what I do, is you should use your nonprofit board service to build your network. Recruiters report that for, for most for-profit board roles, they're obtained by relationships, you know, and people are watching. So when you're on a board, be responsible, be an active non, you know, board member of a nonprofit. It's a great way to showcase your talent as well as provide leadership in the organization. Now to your question about the legal, legal piece, I really believe that my legal background is a differentiator as well. Even though I may not be practicing law, my legal training and skills guide how I approach problems. And I know you probably both agree this, right? Like once you want, it's in my DNA, I can't stop thinking <laughs> for better or worse. You're going to talk about being a recovered attorney, but I, I it's just, you just, you, it's the way you're trained. I'm yeah. an analytical thinker. I'm guided by research and facts. I see big picture when I'm developing strategy. And these are key skills for independent for-profit board directors. Now, there, you know, there is this misconception that people are like, oh, I don't want any more lawyers on my board. We don't want any more lawyers on the board. But they forget that having a lawyer on my board is a massive advantage because of the skills that that lawyer brings. And, if, and, and the one thing that I laugh is when a lawyer is on a for-profit board, they know that they are not the lawyer guiding that organization. There's a GC, and oftentimes, as you both know, there's a lawyer that was retained by the company to be the board, the board lawyer. So I, you know, I think I really hope people start seeing lawyers as wonderful, wonderful contributors to for-profit board service. And if you have a whole board of lawyers, even better. <laughs> I've, I've been on a couple nonprofit boards and I've seen the shift in thinking over the last 10 years of, oh, I don't know if we want another lawyer on the board too. Lawyers are a great asset wow. because of the analytical thinking. Yeah. That's great. That is awesome. That's fantastic. So you said earlier that your passion is empowering women, which aligns to the Chicago Network's purpose centered around empowering women to lead. How does board experience help women become better leaders? So remember the old saying, noses in, fingers out. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's how we, you know, when we were in law school, it's kind of how we were, what was the, the, the phrase that was used to describe how effective board of directors work with management. And when you're in a management role, you're running the operations of the organization. And sometimes it's very, very difficult to step back um, and see the big picture. And when you're a board director, you get practice stepping back. That's what you're supposed to do. And you're forced to see a different perspective. And I can share now that I lead the Chicago network and I'm on the other side of the table. I have a 22 person board of directors comprised of extraordinary senior women executives. And I wear a different hat sitting in this chair. And I have to tell you, it was a little jarring at first because I 
it, 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 it's a different perspective. You have to think differently. You have to present differently, but my, and that's a lot of people to present to. Yeah. A lot of people who are at the top of the food chain, right? I mean, these yeah. are, these are women. It's not, you have to be at your a game constantly because I'm dealing with a game people. Um, but my extensive experience in the nonprofit board as a nonprofit board director made me, makes me a better CEO because I now understand being on the other side of the table, what, what good governance looks like, you know, what I need to do to make sure I'm maintaining fiscal strong operations. Um, am I staying true to my strategic plan and my mission? So it's just, it, it's a, a wonderful way to really become a better leader overall. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you have held a number of different roles and and made this big pivot. Can you tell us a little bit about anything that has surprised you along the way in your career? Um, I, I think fundamentally taking bold risks and pivoting um, always leads to professional growth and development. Hmm. And and it, it it was and and sometimes the other thing is, and we talked about this before. Sometimes people see things in you that you do not see. And I was just writing an article about mentorship and I was reflecting on a mentor that I had who was a senior executive person. And she put me in a role. She called me and she called me into her office and said, I want you to take on this role. And it was a government affairs role, it was the public policy government affairs lobbying role. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I, you know, like I really appreciate you, 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 you know, you thinking about me for this role, but I really love what I was doing at the time. And I felt like I was offering value. I had a wonderful team. And she was, she said, okay, well, why don't you do some research and think about it? Cause she knows that I, I had to really kind of reflect on what was, what the opportunity was. And so she calls me in the next week and says, um, what do you think? I said, well, I've really done a lot of thinking and I talked to some people and yeah, I'm good. I'm going to stay where I'm at. She's like, nope, we're in, this is not, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's not, a, it, this is not an offer, right? This is going to be your being, you know, wow. going. and I have to tell you that massive pivot, which was so scary, so scary because it was in an area that I did not have deep experience in was it changed my life. I mean, it changed hmm. the trajectory of my career. It put me in the role that I'm in right now because she saw things in me that I knew I had, but I didn't realize how those skills really were going to lead. So hmm. I think the thing is, listen to what people have to say. Don't be afraid to take the bold risks. And people say all the time, oh, I hear about, you know, I should take risks. I should take risks. And it doesn't have to be a massive shift in in your, in your role, but it could be just a little thing that you're scared to do and that you're uncomfortable to do that you lean into and you take on that could really be, could change, could change your life. Yeah. yeah I love the saying, it, oh, go ahead, Courtney. Sorry. I was gonna say, I love the saying, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable and taking risks. And did that help you later on when you were considering other opportunities and thinking through, well, I did this and, and it turned out really well. Maybe I'll just be a little bolder now. Unequivocally. Yeah, absolutely. Without question. Yes. And now it's actually kind of got me even more excited about different things. So 
and you know, you know this, women women see positions and they if they don't meet 10 of the 10 requirements of the position, they don't think that they should apply for the position or they should go for the for the opportunity. And they should. They just it's it's imposter syndrome is real. Everyone has it. And you just have to shake yourself out of it, figure out what your what your way to shake out of it, and then lean into the uncomfortable. Yeah. And and once you start taking those little risks, like Courtney was saying, and like you were saying, Maria, you prove to yourself that you can do it. Your brain gets more comfortable with it, and then you can continue to progress along. So um, that's very practical advice. I love that. And where um, I want to read this article when it is published. Do you it's, know it's, where it's, that's going to appear? Um, hopefully, it'll go in SHRM. It's S H R M. It's mm-hmm. the um, HR thing. for human yeah. resource yeah. management. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I just put it in for mentorship. So we'll see. All right. Well, we'll we'll look for that. Absolutely. And so the question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the role of corporations in society? So governance is foundational and it includes things that people don't even realize are governance. So I, I did this little exercise. I, I asked Siri what governance, defi- to define governance, okay? And here's what Siri says. The framework of rules, relationships, systems, and processes by which an enterprise is directed, controlled, and held to account, and whereby authority within an organization is exercised and maintained. Okay, that's everything. That is everything. That is is the most expansive definition. And what that means to me is, if you don't think you're a governance expert, you likely are. You may not realize that you're a governance expert, but you are given really what governance is. And I would say for women, own it and build from it and claim it, join the conversation. And remember that culture is also a part of governance and women tend to be more compassionate leaders. So join in the conversation about culture and engagement. Have, you know, listen to these podcasts, see how you can play in the space. Be um, be that bold voice sometimes at the board table if you have an opportunity to be at the board table, but also be that bold voice when you're sitting even on your team or whatever you're managing through. But I think that, the and we know this, the value of women on for-profit corporate, for-profit boards is, 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 is empirically proven, right? We know that you have they're more profitable, they're more effective, the team works better, management receives so much more diverse viewpoints and support, which ultimately creates um, a stronger organization. And I would truly argue that because women are play a role in, in governance and how the experience that they have in governance is leading to that success. Absolutely, that's a, that's a great answer. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, because it's interesting. People will say, you know, they'll, well, I don't know if I should go on. I should don't know if I should be, you know, what could I offer a board, right? What could I offer a board? And then you you look at really truly what governance means, and they're they'll they, they will say, Oh, of course, like I I I do this, like and I I absolutely control processes and systems. And 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 again, like I said earlier 
culture is such a big part of board, of governance right now. And women are un, uniquely really qualified to be a really wonderful voice in that culture and employee engagement space because we are more compassionate leaders. And when you look at, when people ask, you know, when you think about what makes a great leader, nine out of 10 times, they say compassion, that the person is a compassionate mm. leader. Now that doesn't mean that they, they're a pushover. You know, it means that they have the vision and they see what's around them and they make decisions based upon what's really the greater good. Of course, profitability, we have to run the business, we have to make money, we have to do what we have to do. But I would I would really maintain that 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 compassion piece is is really a differentiator and can really create tremendous successful organizations when you have someone at the top and the board really leading with compassion. And probably becoming increasingly important as new generations with different expectations move up in the ranks. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Culture is it, right? People, when you, when you, when you talk to younger people who are going into the job force at every level of an organization, one of the first things they say, I want to work for someplace where I, 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 I love the culture. I want to know what they do. What's, what guides the organization? What's, what's their purpose? And aren't we, fortunate to now live in, in a world where that that people are asking those questions. Well, and also companies are knowing that, whereas, you know, years ago, that wasn't such a big part of the process. Now it, it truly is the heart of it. So not only do you want a good culture for the, the people that you're trying to hire, but for also the people that you're trying to retain mm -hmm. the company and to be known generally. Absolutely. Completely agree. And governance is that key. We love governance. <laughs> I do too. I'm kind of like a governance geek. We'll call ourselves governance geeks. I love it. <laughs> thank you so well, much, Maria. Thank well, you. I'm, this has been truly insightful talking to you. It's um, really my pleasure. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you for what you do to have and continue the conversation. Well, and thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of Women Governance Trailblazers. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use for podcasts. And we would love if you would rate us while you were there. Thanks, everyone.